Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. My name is Thomas Ragland, and I'm delighted to be coming back to you another week. This week's guest is an international relationship expert, mediator, certified in hypnotherapy, divorce mediation, strategic intervention. Is there anything she can't do? It's Stacy Bartley. Stacy, <laughs> welcome, and What's Your Bliss? My bliss is helping people create love for a lifetime. I want people to believe in themselves that we all have the capacity to love. We just may not have the ability to love. Um, as I look back at my own life, it was definitely something that I was born with. It's something that I've continuously uncovered. And as Jeff Goyne said it best, when your past makes sense in your future, you have found your destiny. Um, and so I am absolutely 100% sure this will be the work that I'll be doing for the rest of my life. That's amazing. You said that you think that this started from the beginning. So take us back to then. How did you, how did you figure that out? How did love become such a part of your life, really the essence of your being? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I recognized it when my father died at the age of six. And I have a very distinct memory of watching the casket close at his funeral. And as a six-year-old girl trying to wrap my head around what that meant. All I know is that in one moment, in an instant of time, I wanted my dad more than anything in my whole life, like more than my toys, my dollies, my playhouse, you know, more than anything. And that's when I went, wow, this relationship thing is kind of important, right? It's wow. kind of a big deal. It, it really kind of impacts you and hits you right in the heart. And as, as I grew, um, being, I had, to, I had to kind of navigate through some things because I really thought that pleasing others and, and loving and stepping in with all of my heart was the answer. And I was right, but I didn't understand growing up through teenage and, and into early adulthood that it also meant that you were very easily manipulatable. Right. Because it's not just about getting all in. It's about learning, you know, some things like, like boundaries and how to ask for what you need. And um, it, it kind of propagates um, by my religious and social upbringing, right? Like I think it does for so many of us. So as I stepped into to real honest to goodness, what we would call adult relationships, I was a disaster. I was right. a complete and utter disaster. <laughs> In fact, my friends and family would go, that girl's teaching relationships? Oh, come on. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> so, and yeah, that girl is because through all the pitfalls, you know, it's wonderful to have somebody on the other side of a chasm or a canyon where, you know, I once stood thinking, this is never going to work for me. I can't figure hmm. this out. And it hurts. And uh, I keep blowing up my relationships. And now I have a commitment phobia problem and, and I don't know what to do about that. And so it was as it is for most of us. Uh, it was when I started to kind of figure out my own parts and pieces and why this was so hard for me and what was I missing? Cause I, I just had this longing that I knew I had to understand it. I had to grow and figure this out once, you know, um, and so it's wonderful to have somebody on the other side of the Canyon that goes, I relate. I've yeah. been there. I, I, oh man, this is a, this is the hard part, but you're going to be okay. You're going to get through it. And, you know, come on, it's going to be great over here. Right. Um, I find that way more valuable in my life, especially as I'm still learning and growing and finding people to coach and mentor me. That's far more valuable than somebody who's never been through the experience. Um, we can all read a book on how to do X, Y, and Z. Let's take tennis, for example. But that if I were to get onto the court and play tennis based on the book knowledge that I had just learned, I'm, I'm going to probably suck. 
you know, I'm going to yeah. really suck. <laughs> yeah. That, that theoretical to practical application isn't always as easy as we might want it to be. I, I think, you know, uh, as you know, I, I work in education and I think that for a long time, education was like that, right? Read the books and, and, and do the, the book learning and, and the lectures and all of that. And I would imagine that uh, I certainly have seen it with my own institution, but uh, across the board, you're seeing more practical applications of things. You're, you're seeing employers that want people who've done the job, who have had internships, who've had some experience, because it's not just something that you can learn. And the same thing goes with life, right? You can't just apply uh, these things that we learn and, and read about and go, well, I know how to do that. Exactly. Um, and I'm curious for like, what was... What do you think if there's one and maybe there's several, all of these experiences, I'm sure meld into everything that you are now, but was there a pivot point? Was there a point where you said, I know that I need to be doing this differently, or I, I know that I'm going for this now, um, as opposed to maybe, um, you know, falling into familiar traps or manipulations of the past. Mm -hmm. Um, like so many of us do as, as human beings, especially when it comes to how life and love is supposed to go, you know, the conversation of marriage. In fact, I'm just writing a book right now um, titled Marriage is Dead, How to Truly Create Love for a Lifetime, not because I'm anti-marriage, but because this was the pivotal moment in my life where I um, decided that, I, I, well, let me back up a little bit. I, I'm a a teenage pregnant girl. I got pregnant and stepped into adult relationships at the age of 17. Yeah. And that was against and contrary to everything that I had been raised with. And I had made it up that um, that was the reason why I wasn't very good at relationships was because I had really messed up and made a mess of my life. And I disobeyed my religion. I disobeyed my family and I found myself in a situation. So obviously that was the problem. So in round two, uh, I got married and married somebody in my religious upbringing um, that had a very similar family to my family dynamics. And I thought, aha, see, this is it. This is where it's all going to work out. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do it perfectly. I'm going to check all the boxes. And this is how I finally right, create what it is I'm longing for. Ha ha. So 13 years later and five children later, that marriage ended and that was my pivotal moment where I went, oh my gosh, I checked all the boxes. I did everything I was told to do, right? I, I tried to do it perfectly, which ironically is what strangled my relationship. Yeah. It, it was the trying to get it right, do it right, do it perfect. And, and my poor dear husband, like there was no wiggle room in there for her to be, you know, for him to be messing around that poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this by the book, right? right. And, and it all sounded really great on the front side. But as we got into it, it was not a good thing in practical application. And we both had our struggles. And then it was after the divorce of that relationship, I went, I got to find my own way. I, I got to figure this out for myself. What is that? Because it can't be, you know, one way or the other, it's got to be something that works for me. And that's where I really started out in the journey of, in fact, self-love. And it still is. It was a really big deal, like back in the early nineties. And I remember, you know, <laughs> trying to get help and support where I was feeling, you know, can I say the word shitty? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I felt really shitty about myself, everything I thought I knew. I just, you know, my whole foundation of life and relationship, it just crumbled into smoke. 
And I went, well, hell, that didn't work either. And I set about trying to figure myself out. And everybody was saying, love yourself. You just got to love yourself. And oh, I'd want to pull my hair out because I was like, oh, I don't. And how do you do that? I don't know. You know, go for long walks, take a bubble bath. I mean, uh, paint my nails. (laughs) Wear some pretty lingerie. I don't know. How does that work? And nobody could tell me. Yeah. Nobody could say, well, do it like this. And then I was, I was grateful and honored and privileged to find one of the first mentors of many in my life that helped me fall in love with who I was and and clean up my messes and see that they're okay, that they don't define who I am. They just add to who I I am becoming and help me understand life and myself better. Right. So I would say that's the biggest pivotal moment. And then there was lots of what I would call marketing research or life experience after that blew up (laughs) a whole nother series, thought I had it all figured out again when I went, all right, you know, see my kids are raised. I've been a single mom for about 15 years. I don't, I know how to do this relationship thing. I'm just not going to get in. We'll, we'll just, we'll have, you know, some relationships and, you know, I'll just do it all on my own terms. That was the next time I thought I had it all figured out only to find my husband show up who ironically, if it wasn't for some kind of a spiritual, you know, intuitive, I call it Gus, God, universe and spirit, just so we can honor everybody in our conversation moment at 14 years old, I probably would have been true to that commitment to this day. He ended up showing up in my life with an opportunity to pursue a relationship with him. And it stopped me dead in my tracks. Like, Oh, what am I going to do if I don't get married or I don't commit into something long-term, right? I'm not going to have a chance to be in a relationship with this person. So maybe I don't have it as figured out as I thought. Looking back now, I was scared. I was broken and it wasn't commitment that I was terrified of like so many of us are which I don't think we're terrified of that at all. I think commitment as a human being is a really easy thing to do. I think what terrifies us is is the the question of how are we going to navigate all the inevitable change? I've been through a few rodeos to know, you know, I know I feel really excited and good about this relationship today, (laughs) but what about a year or two or five or 10 or 30 from now? Am I going to still like you? Are you still going to like me? And we just wash that over like it doesn't even have to be part of the conversation. And we do things like get married to try and give us a guarantee, to try and quiet some of those fears and insecurities. Or we have a baby or we buy a house, right? We get a timeshare. I mean, we got to co-mingle our funds, right? And then it's going to ensure that we're going to all be together forever. And no, it won't. And ironic, um, I have a pretty great love story with my my now husband, Tom. I mean, like, it's pretty epic. If if there was ever a love story that made you think or believe in predestiny uh, or um, soulmates or some of those things that make our hearts pitter-patter as human beings, it would be our story. And yet, there was a point in time where our relationship hung in the balance. And I really didn't know in uh, if it was going to make it or not. And so it's got to be more than the story, which is the other place we kind of get tripped up, right? It's, we've got to have some skills. We have to have some ability to navigate ourselves through life. 
And in my opinion, that takes us to a place where we've got to develop an understanding of how to take care of and nurture our emotional selves. If we don't do that, this love thing, which is the most emotional experience we have as a human being will continue to elude us. And may I add, kick your ass. So it it is the greatest vehicle we have to help you become who it is you have the capacity to be. And that's what we've got to get good at. You know, we, we look at life through the physical lens, right? It all makes sense when we can compare the evidence and the data and (laughs) and we can live life through this physical experience without realizing there's this whole feeling, emotional experience, which is a part of you as well. And we don't talk about it. We don't know how to take care of it and nurture it like we would our physical body. And thankfully it works very similar. It's, it works just the same. So if we ever want to know what to do with our emotional bodies, we can look to our physical bodies for a few glues. Nourish it and good reps, right? <laughs> Nourish it and good reps. I'm so glad you said that. Right. I, I have a whole framework. In fact, I'm just in the process of creating what I call an emotional weightlifting gym because that's exactly what it is. It's going in there and and it never ends. It's kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, you better do it every day. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I liken it to, um, you know, uh, medication for some people, right? There are people that, that need medication for the rest of their lives. And if you stop taking that medication, then things don't work the same way that they did when you were on the medication, right? And, and I think that that's um, now while, well, you know, whatever, we can have a whole other philosophical conversation on medication itself and Western medicine. But um, in general, like, I think it's this idea of you, you can't let things atrophy to keep the, to keep kind of the muscle, uh, uh, theme going. If you let it atrophy and you don't give it the love and the attention that it needs, then you are missing something. And, and then that is when those questions creep up. That is when that, uh, you know, those feelings start to go, well, wait a minute, what's, what's happening. And it's because we're not nourishing that. And that, to your point from earlier, that has to evolve over time because we evolve and we can't just sit here and expect that everything's going to be the same. You know, I, uh, I mentioned to you in our, in our, uh, pre-meeting, so to speak, uh, that we, we met a couple of weeks ago and I mentioned to you that I was divorced, um, and then remarried to the same person. And, you know, we started dating when we were 15 years old. I'm not the same person I was when I was 15. Thank God. Uh, because I would be a terrible person uh, and would not be a functional member of society, I don't think. But you have to be able to evolve and you have to be able to grow together. But I'm, but a couple of pieces that you hit on really, really spoke to me. The first is tripping up on the story. And do you think that we trip up on the story? Is that a, I mean, is that a, is that universally human from your perspective? And then B, is that is that a result of, the, the fallacies of love that we see within media, within, uh, you, you know, how do we, how do we get to that point where we're like, well, the story is what matters. Mm-hmm. It's always the story that matters. In fact, I have a whole framework, um, that I teach our clients called the movie framework. And I'm starting to see more and more and more of it now, you know, after a decade of, of being, well, actually more than two decades of being involved in this work where we're starting to talk about the stories that we live out in our minds, right? And we all have a story. And what that story is comprised of is connecting our experiences, right? All of our experiences are threaded together in a narrative that makes sense to us. And that's why it's so important for us 
um, to answer the questions when something does happen. Why, why did that happen to me or how, how did that happen? Oh my gosh, I got to figure this out because it's going to determine the next piece of the story that I'm writing. Now, what's interesting, especially when it comes to couples or any relationship, actually any type of a human interaction is we don't appreciate or acknowledge the fact that my story, because my experiences is different than yours. And yours is going to be different than mine. And we get really hung up on, they have to be the same. It's that comparison game, you know, because we live life in that physical element or that physical world, right? We want our stories to be the same where the reality is 99.9% of them are not the same. And that's a good thing, right? And, and we can talk about that if you want to. That's a really good thing. We wouldn't want our stories to be the same. We wouldn't want them to be the same narrative because otherwise we wouldn't be able to expand our perspectives, expand our paradigms, and ex therefore we would be very limited in what we could become, right? We'd be stuck in our own stories, right. right? But imagine, I need, I need us to remember that when you're in that movie theater and you are so sure that movie is right, oh my gosh, we are so certain of our movies that you're the only one in the movie theater. You're the only one watching the show. So I think we can all relate to the experience of being in a movie theater. And, you know, there's certain scenes and conversations and moments that take your breath away and that you relate to. And then somebody runs to you and you tell them all about this incredible movie and how it touched you and how it moved you. And you, you can tell that they're not getting it because they haven't seen it. And so you just keep going on and on and on and on, right? And trying to yeah. convince them that no, really. And they finally get exacerbated with you and say, okay, fine, I'll go see the movie, fine. And then they come back and go, yeah, man, I don't get it. I, I, I didn't get that out of the movie. What were you thinking? And that is for real day-to-day -day life with our human interactions, right? And so unless we develop the emotional strength and capacity to suspend what I think I know in my story long enough to hear somebody else's, we will continue to have the polarization that we have in our, in our country and in our communities and in our homes, because we will fight for our movies. And until we can learn how to let go of our movies and realize that somebody else is just as impassioned about their movie as you are yours, then communication and conversation come become what it was meant to be, which is understanding, understanding of my movie. Cause when I share it with you, I understand my own a little better. And when I take the moment of pause and permission to listen to yours, I don't have to agree with it, but we think it's contagious. We think it's going to completely change my story and I have to set you right. Or you're going to go over astray. And there's all kinds of stories that I make up about why it is that I can't even entertain you listening to Right. me listening to your story, but they're all just a bunch of hooey. And so if we could just, just practice that ability, that single ability of just pausing long enough to hear somebody else's story, get curious about it, understand that everybody could get better. And we can all still say, you know what, that's, that, that works for you. You do you, I'll do me, but at least I understand where you're coming from now, which makes it much easier to decide how we're going to engage next in conversation, communication, what we can share and what we can't. It's really the filter in regards to how far we can go in our relationships with others. Absolutely. I'm, I'm struck by, you know, the, 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 there's a theme obviously, which, which makes sense. I, I think they go hand in hand, but this theme of communication. And I'm wondering from your perspective of working with folks who are 
um, you know, struggling in love or, or trying to find love or, or, or struggling in a relationship that just doesn't have that communication. I, I guess maybe it's a two-parter. The first is, are you able to learn that within a relationship framework? Or is that something you have to go in knowing that, hey, I have to have this communication. I mean, I, again, I think it evolves, I'm sure, uh, as everything does. Um, but then the, the the second piece is just how, you know, how crucial is that communication in in everything that we do, not just, not just our romantic relationships, but every relationship that we have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Relationships are the place that we're going to improve and get better and practice our communication. Um, and uh, here in 2019, prior to the pandemic, I did a survey of over 2000 couples. And it's interesting to note that every single couple cited communication as their number one biggest issue. Now, what's interesting, if you have the privilege and opportunity of sitting in thousands of conversations between couples like I have, then you realize that communication is not our biggest problem. It's not. You know what is? The ability to show up because we stop ourselves from stepping in to have those difficult conversations. And we make up all kinds of stories and those movies we're creating about why I shouldn't have to and why you should already know and why it's too scary for me to say what it is I need to say or ask for what it is I want or share with you what's working and what isn't. And so guess what happens? We sit on it or we rip somebody's face off, which both become self-perpetuating cycles in our relationships, but it really all stems down to, here I go again, the ability to manage and govern and take care of and strengthen my emotional body. Because if I don't have emotional ability and strength there to pause, right? And it's hard. It sounds super easy, but when I'm in passion, man, that's... (laughs) Yeah. Logic, logic, logic can't win in that moment. And so you can't remember all of those things. Yeah. You've got to practice. That's, that's the first place to start. Pause, just stop, practice stopping yourself. Don't let one more word come out of your mouth. Then it's going to be something like, okay. Stacey said we had to pause. Fine, fine. It's going to be like that (laughs) until you get better at it. And then what you find is that when you gain some emotional strength along with some, yes, there are communication frameworks to learn. It's not so much, right, what you say, but how you say it. You can say anything you want to say. But if we learn and understand some really basic frameworks, I have a communication sandwich that I love, love, love to teach because it's a fun little metaphor that is easy and simple to understand. Then if you have the ability to stop and you have the ability to know how to navigate through a conversation, we can elevate our conversations to a place where we can get through the difficult ones. And if you can't get through it the first time, you take a second crack at it, just like you do anything. I mean, it's just like baking a cake, man. If you, if you want to, if you want to bake a cake and you want to get good at baking a cake, I guarantee you the first few you make are going to suck. You're going to screw it up. And I always say that to my clients, you are going to so mess this up. I know it makes sense in your head, but now we're going to put the juice to it, which is your emotions. And then we're going to work on it. So yes, everybody gets get, you know, better together. And it takes another person to work with you on this. You can't do it by yourself. You can't just go away and learn and study all the books on negotiation and mediating and communication. And by the way, if I could please note, I'm not passionate about this at all. I want you to note that everything we study around communication is all pretty much adversarial. It's all manipulative. It's negotiation. It's sales, right? It's 
it's, um, it's places where we're not learning to understand in our communication. I'm learning how to enroll you in my way. I want yeah. you to see it from my perspective. And so yeah. it's difficult to find some communication that's not thwart with manipulation at the core of it. So it's not about that. It really isn't, yeah. especially when it comes to our intimate relationships. Right. If I'm if I'm wanting the permission and safety to feel the way that I feel and explore me and expand and grow into who I can become, well, by nature of that, wouldn't I want to give that gift to my partner too? Right. And if I don't, then I probably shouldn't be in a relationship. You've got enough to deal with on your own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You talking about kind of the difference between how I think communication is taught, expected in 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 this country, um, but but in you know mostly broad society as a whole, certainly Western society, this idea of it being adversarial or or a debate or persuasion. Um, and one of the things that um, you know, I do in my in my work is uh, I, I work with um, a program on our campus called the Dialogues Program, and the whole point is that we're having dialogue. We're not debating. We're not here to to try to make you see our side. We're here to present our side and listen to your side and to engage in an actual in actual communication, actual conversation about what's going on. It's not meant to be persuasive. It's not meant to be a debate. It's not meant to be adversarial. Absolutely feelings come up. Absolutely things, you know, uh, impact kind of the, the emotional responses to that. And at the end of the day, we start every, uh, you know, every meeting off by saying we expect and accept a lack of closure in this because that's not what it's about. It's not about getting closure. It is about that communication and, and how we work together and how we build those relationships. Now, the relationship is obviously different than, than a romantic relationship, but I would imagine the same tenets, you know, really go through all of those. Absolutely. 100% agree with you. And that is so great. And we need more places, more incubators like that, where we can go in and we can practice this very, very important thing. When you really look at it from a, from a broader perspective, it is the thing that is breaking our society down because we're not willing to look at the difficult side. That's our opportunity to do a few emotional push-ups right there. Right. Um, not to get political on you, but we, we need to, we need to get into a place where we can entertain and listen to a story that's different from ours. It doesn't mean you're right or they're right or you're wrong or they're wrong. It just means we need to understand because until then we're not going to be able to strategize bringing it together. Um, and, and that's what divides us. Right. I, I, um, I have a very multicultural ethnic family as well. I am the minority in my family. Uh, surprisingly, if you're, you're not looking at me on video, but if you were, I am (laughs) a redheaded, green eyed white woman, and I have more black and Polynesian and Asian in my family than I do white. And we don't understand that the minute we start to say who's better and who's not, whose lives matter, you've missed it. You've, You've totally missed it. You've just totally missed it. We're still having that conversation, which tells me there's still a huge divide and a piece where somebody needs to feel heard, appreciated, acknowledged, right? Because we're, we're, there we are again, right? We don't sit down at my dinner table and talk about whose life matters most because we understand and know we're all in this together as a family, as a human race. And so everybody's perspective counts. Everybody's experience matters, right? And everybody deserves a voice at the table. Yeah, and, and, and to your point, I think um, you know it's 
it becomes a, at a lot of friends and, and family, even when uh, the 2016 election happened, I saw a lot of things about like, how did, how did this happen? How did we get here? And to your point of the, just not listening to each other. I mean, if you actually sat and listened to the voters who said why they voted the way they did, rather than ascribing certain values, though certainly you could do that with certain people. Absolutely. You're always going to have extremists, always going to be those types of things. But if you sat and listened to the issues that people voted on, a lot of it was feeling forgotten, feeling not listened to, feeling not heard. And, and those feelings are are valid and and how do we work on that and and again to take it back to intimate relationships it's the same thing that we see in the deterioration of relationships right it's yeah. not feeling validated not feeling heard not feeling like you have a voice in the relationship and so yes i think to to your point like the ability to do that breeds such a such a stronger understanding and a value i i keep saying this i've said this on several episodes at this point now but it's bringing the human back to to, to humanity and and how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I, one of my favorite pieces in the work that I do is seeing the, the swell, the, the wonderful couple that I'm working with, they're coming in and really what they're wanting, you know, both of them have this backside agenda as most human beings do when they come to couples counseling or therapy, or, you know, they, they want to be vindicated or validated that, that I'm doing this right. And it's them. Right. I mean, so right. they expect me to kind of be the referee. Like, okay, you know, Susie, John's got a point here, you know, listen in. And when they come into my office and it's nothing like that, there's this light bulb that goes on as I help them see and understand that you're both right. You both have a contribution and a perspective that if you would get it, if you would see it, if you would entertain the idea of listening to it, the two of you would not only be a better couple, you'd be better individuals as well. You'd be better humans because there's a piece where everybody puts into the whole, not one is right and not one is wrong. And everybody just needs to be heard. It's kind of like planning a trip, only we're planning a life. We're co-creating something together and your experiences and what you've been through and that movie that's playing out for you gives you one teeny tiny perspective. But man, when we start to look scientifically at how many different perspectives there are, not only in our human behavior and our capacity of our minds, but just use nature as a wonderful guide in regards to the vast possibilities and varieties of a perspective, you realize we need as many perspectives as we can possibly get our hands on, because that's going to give us the best outcome. So I really don't need you to think like me. I got that one. What I need is for me to get off it long enough to entertain your perspective. And then together we can come up with a third or more perspectives as we kick around ideas. I mean, have you ever been in like a, a mastermind, like a place where everybody's kicking around ideas mm -hmm. and you go in with this idea of how you think it's going to go and you come out going, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. Like that was so super cool. That's what happens in my office. Like we can do that. We can do that. Oh, 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 this is going to be great. Yes, it is going to be great when we get to that place where right. everybody's perspective can be acknowledged and heard. We need all of them. And so as much as we don't want to, you know, talk about the, well, it's polarity and we probably don't have time to go into polarity, but as much as we don't want to hear about Trump's agenda or the way that Biden's screwing it up or, you know, is he going to come back or not? I mean, all these conversations we find ourselves in, 
what is it that's driving the passion there? Mm-hmm. That's what I would encourage you to look to. Like, like on the, on the opposite sides of the divide, like you had said so eloquently, if we really stop to listen to what it is they were impassioned about, we would see there's a whole other way to emerge to get needs met, right? To, to get um, connection together and that we're really not all that far apart. I mean, as human beings, we're really not very complicated. We seem complicated because, you know, we can <laughs> make it look pretty fantastically complicated, but it's really not. <laughs> You know, we can, we can boil down what motivates us to three primary drivers and that's, that's not complicated. And if we would use those to our advantage, it could change the way that we step into conversations that we step out of conversations and it would help us create more of that place of safety and permission to truly share our perspectives with each other. Mm -hmm. And those three are, I want to feel like I'm heard. I just want to know that you hear me. I have a movie here and it's very enticing and it's very compelling. And I really want to make sure you hear it because it's really important to me. Right. And if you don't take the time to hear it, then I feel negated. Obvious, and uh, the next one is relationships take a lot of work. They, they take the best of ourselves showing up as the best of ourselves as much as we can muster it. And we're going to mess it up. It's what we do best. But if I do my best to try and bring my best self to the table, I'm only going to get better, right? As I kind of mess up along the way. So I want to feel appreciated. I really want to feel appreciated for what I'm trying to do and contribute into whether it's a lovership for sure, because we work our fannies off trying to get those right, right? <laughs> Make up all kinds of horror pictures about why it's not working about myself mm-hmm. and you, uh, which are also not true. Is that happening? Yes. But right. If we pick it apart, everybody's doing the best they know how, right? Um, so I want to know that, that I'm appreciated and that I, I get acknowledged for that. And then the last is I just... If I'm living a life and I'm here trying to do my best work, trying to be my best self, and I'm alive, like that's pretty important. That's a pretty cool thing. I want to know that it matters. I, I yeah. want to know that that it makes a difference that I'm here with you in this relationship, that we're co-creating this thing. And, and I might've made a really big mess, but if you could remind me of just those three things, do you know that 99.9% of all of our defenses would go down? Like if you approached a conversation and I show up, which is the first thing I need to learn how to do because I'm terrified. But if I were to approach a conversation from a place that said, hey, I just want you to know you really matter to me. And I have a lot I need to say about this and I'm really kind of scared, but I just need you to hear me. Could you do that? I mean, I go, yeah, what do you, what do you need? Tell me what you got, right? Um, And if we were to get into a fight and things went sideways and all of a sudden we started spitting things out, you know, because we're hurt and mad and frustrated and don't know what else to do. And we were to say, look, look, let's just take a pause and come back to this. You matter to me. We're going to get through this. I know we will. Let's just come back. Let's take a break. It's getting heated and we'll take another crack at it. Um, And we have to call the time tomorrow morning over coffee. What ends up happening here is we go, oh, screw it. I'm out of here slam the door. Right. And we have no idea. We're all just kind of left hanging in this abyss of our own emotions. And then our movies start and we start making up some horrible things that then we just act out and we act as though they're true. We never get to the bottom of it. And that's how we go from being madly in love one day to a year, two, five, 10, 20 down the road. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. We've created ourselves an emotional prison that we're living in. So absolutely. How do you, you build 
are there key ways, I guess, of building vulnerability when the trust is gone or the trust feels like it's gone? Maybe it's not completely. Maybe it's just, but you want to be vulnerable because you want to work on these things. You want to provide for your partner that they've been, they've been heard, that they are contributing, that what they're doing matters. You obviously want to feel that yourself, but how do you build that vulnerability if you can, even maybe you can't, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll all learn together in a second, but how do you build that vulnerability when it feels like that trust is gone and it's not safe to do so? Mm-hmm. That's a really great question. And one that we get a lot, you have to understand the dynamic of trust. Let's start there. Okay. We think that vulnerability is hard because it feels hard. Again, it's because we're very emotionally shaky, right? I always think of like a little newborn calf because it's not really anything I've ever really developed. And so we go, Ooh, that's scary to really tell you how I feel. Ooh, I have to be careful. I just want to ask you like, play along with me here. Why is that so scary? Are you telling me that that's not hard to do? Like, like, that the throw off of not being vulnerable is, is less painful than being vulnerable. Like, think about that for a minute. Is vulnerability really something that creates pain? Or is it freeing to to just say, it kind of goes back to this conversation of, if I feel like I love you and I want to build a life with you, why in the world wouldn't I say that? And I would wait for you to say it first is one more or less painful than the other? And I would say no. In fact, not expressing how you feel is the more painful route. Depressed expression is our number one path to depression. I depress my expression of who I am, what I want, what matters to me. And I can't show up. I can't show up anywhere because it's not the right time. It's not the right place. It's not the right person. Or it's to this and to that and to this. And so I I mean, as we try it out as a human being through the pandemic, we've had a really great taste of what it feels like to not express for long periods of time. I'm stuck in my house. I can't go see my peeps. I can't dance. I can't go to my favorite restaurants and eat my favorite food with my favorite peeps. And you're telling me that wasn't painful? It's very painful. And so this idea that we've concocted in our movies, I'm going to just call bullshit. It's much easier to be vulnerable and to express yourself and to share what you really want and what's really on your heart and how you really feel about it than it is to hold it and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait. That coupled with the idea of trust, I I promised that we would break that down, right? So trust If we tell the truth, we as human beings are mess-making machines. Like if there's a way to screw it up, we are going to find it. So we've got to tell the truth about that. Okay. So if that's the reality, how in the world are any of us trustworthy then? Because it's only going to be a matter of time if you and me are in a relationship and I'm going to hurt your feelings or I'm going to disappoint you or I'm going to be late. I'm going to forget your favorite something on such and such a day. Uh, It's coming, people. It is absolutely coming. And then we make up what that means, right? Instead of doing that, we need to realize that trust, none of us are trustworthy. We're all little heathens when it comes to that. (laughs) So how do I wrap my head around this trust thing then and work it? It boils down to being able to trust myself to navigate through whatever may come up. And if I can do that, if I know I can get myself in 
I can say what I need. I can show up. I can let you know when you've hurt my feelings and tell you, I love you when I mean it. Then I can get myself in and out of anything. That is the only place, in my opinion, that we can truly open up and love wholly and fully. I can get all in, but I can also get all out if I need to. I can say, oh, oh the wet, hold on, that's not going to work for me. Uh, 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 we need to come back to this. Or that, uh, 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 no, 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 no. If I can't say that word, no, you can see I get, I get railroaded. I, and I, it's nobody's fault but my own, right? So that's, that's my two cents on trust. Trust is not something that somebody is going to give us. It is something we learn to give ourselves. And so when somebody does disappoint us, we don't take it to heart. We don't, we understand and know that, oh, they're just human too. It helps us be maybe a little more graceful and compassionate when somebody else in our lives messes up, because I can tell the truth that I do it too. And it takes us out of judgment as well, which judgment also comes from the same place. If I'm very judgmental, I'm very judgmental of myself. I'm very much so. And I have to do it right usually. And I have to check all the boxes and look right and get it right and do it right. And that was, that was me in my second marriage, right? Yeah. Destroyed it. I destroyed myself and our relationship um, because there is nothing perfect about us as human beings. <laughs> nothing. Yeah, so I'm I was judging make, myself. Boxes that don't fit. Yeah, exactly. I'm judging myself. So I'm going to judge you because it's going to show me all the places where I'm doing it right. And you're not, you're not. right. If I'm and these are the way you need to fi fix it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And so this, this emotional body that we have, it's, it's invisible, it's fluid, it's dynamic, and the darn thing can time travel on us, right? Um, and it's very real. It's a very real entity within inside of ourselves. And our, our need or our understanding of how to govern it and manage it and work with it is work that only we can do. There is nobody that can fix your pain. There's nobody who can make you happy. There's nobody who can you know, give you enough trust and proof of trust for you to feel better about it. Uh, these things have all got to come from within. These are things that are developed with inside of us through an understanding, through a practice, right? And our emotional bodies grow just like our physical bodies through resistance. If I want to expand and get stronger at my physical body, I must have some resistance to push against in order to expand. My emotional body is no different. What do we push against to get better at our bodies, our emotional bodies to grow them? Any guesses? Fear and insecurity. That's what I push against. That's what I wrestle with. So if I run from it, my emotional body puts on weight. It feels heavier. It feels scarier. <laughs> It feels undoable. If I face it, if I work with it, if I step into a conversation, if I get vulnerable and I share with you how I really feel and what really hurt and what I really want, then I get stronger. I get better. And that fear diminishes, right? And my, my capacity expands. So it's really cool. It's good stuff. Yeah, and Forgive rather me if than I the, get giddy, right? No, like, no, it's great. It's wonderful. I mean, the whole point of what your bliss is is being giddy to to find your bliss, right? To 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 be able to share that. So, but you, you don't have to apologize for that at all. And then it's it's not just ticking the boxes that you've created for yourself, right? And then you can look back and say, I did do the work, and it's not the same as I did the work and you didn't do the work. It's I did the work, 
And it can just be like, I, I did this and I did this for myself. And hopefully that means that it's also enhancing the relationship and, and all of those things. But at the end of the day, like you have to live with yourself, <laughs> right? And, and regardless of, of where that relationship goes, whether it's successful or not, at the end of the day, like you still want to get over that insecurity. You still want to have your focus be on your emotional well-being and your emotional self. And, and, and that, that expands to those relationships if you are able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm so glad that you brought that up because, you know, as you know, in divorce mediation, they deal with many, many couples who are in what I call the land of maybe that that's the land of maybe I'll stay, maybe I'll go. And man, that can change minute by minute, day by day. Yeah. <laughs> and and that's a difficult conversation to, to answer, right? As you know, if you've been through a divorce, right? And how cool that you've come back and remarried. That's such a great story. You need to tell me more about that when I have you on my show. Um, yes. I can't wait to have that conversation. But what we don't realize is if we get so busy trying to get other people to show up and do their part, when the reality is I'm not doing what I need to do for myself. Okay. If I start doing what I can do for myself and showing up better and working on my part, the rest of what happens is going to tell me everything I need to know from a place of clarity, from a place of completion, from what I call the proverbial clunk. It all makes sense now. Now, look, if, if, if things don't go the way we had talked about in a co-creation on the front side where I said, hey, you want to get together and you want to create a life together? Like, oh, it's going to be so cool. I want you to realize we all understand and know it's dreamy on the front side. And then there's this place where we're trying to put it together, like with anything we're creating in this world in which we live in, where it gets messy. It gets really messy. In fact, it's, it's uh, messy. <laughs> And it's not until I develop through some of that emotional resistance, the ability to be where I said we were going to go, that we experience the, the wonderful space that we co-created. Like, it's like that moment we all love and live for, like, we did it. Yeah. Yay, it happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's a sense of victory there. There is nothing that's um, shameful about recognizing you're in the middle of this co-creation and, and we're all going to have moments where we go, oh man, I didn't know that was part of the deal. Oh, geez. Really? I got to do that too. Oh man. I, I didn't sign up for this. Right. And it doesn't matter if I'm talking about my relationship or I'm talking about my degree or learning how to drive a car. What, what I got to pay insurance. What they need oil changes. How many thousands of us? Do you remember this when you had your first car? What, what, (laughs) what, No, 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 no. And our relationships are just the same. And there's nothing shameful with getting into a situation and go, you know, this just isn't going to work for me. I can't do it. I know I said we were going to go there, but I, I, I either can't, I'm not willing to do what's required to take us there. Good that I disclose that, right? Instead of play along an illusion for long periods of time. Um, And I wish we could have those conversations more openly. And wish less shame and judgment around them. Because what I need to do is worry about doing my part and let you do your part. And out of that's going to tell us everything that's possible in this co-creation that we've signed up for. And there's going to be times I wrestle and there's going to be times you wrestle. But if we both want it, genuinely want it, not out of manipulation, obligation, leverage, et cetera, right? And we're both willing to continue to learn, to attempt day in and day out, right? Bring my best self to the table, 
right? And let the past go, or at least attempt to let the past go. We make these big messes and we, we all get disappointed. Then I promise you, you can navigate your way through anything. And I sincerely say that anything, it doesn't matter if you've got those three things at play, right? You just got to want it. You got to be willing to grow and learn and grow and learn some more and just let the past go. Let it not rule. It is only good for you to understand what your next best step is. And then that next past step has got to be let go. We can learn about it. We can learn through it. It's going to help us see things that we didn't see before. But if we're using it to minimize ourselves, criticize ourselves, judge our partners, judge ourselves, judge our relationship, judge our family, it's going to destroy it. That's how that works. And that, you know, it, it does, again, speak to that piece around, you know, I, I want what, what I do to matter in this. And that manifests by, is this something I want? And it's, it's, if it's not, that's okay. Again, going back to that vulnerability piece, like that, that's okay. You just need to know that you need to verbalize it. And, and, and then it's not worth going through, you know, the, the rest of it for this particular relationship. But if you are able to, and you know what you do matters and you're feeling heard and you're willing to work on this together, then yeah, then it is about how do we find that growth? Mm-hmm. How do we how do we work through that together? And then, like you said, eventually you have to let the past go. I'm reminded of uh, an, an issue with my uh, aunt and uncle uh, when, and I won't get into the full details of it, but there there was an issue that happened in their marriage that you know, and then they they decided, hey, we're going to get back together, and you know, we're gonna we're gonna work on it. And then my uncle would bring every single time they had a fight, he would bring that one specific issue up, and he would start fights with that. And it's like, well at a certain point you ha- you have said i'm welcoming you back into my life i'm welcoming you back into my home but i'm going to keep this over you and that's obviously not not going to be healthy so at, at a certain point as uh, kylo ren would put it uh, let the past die yeah well and and that's sometimes going to challenge you that's the something you're going to push against yeah. with your fears and insecurities that's the something you're going to push against in order to begin creating some surety with inside of yourself, right? And so it's okay that it keeps coming up. It's how you handle it. That's everything. If I'm using it to leverage you, to manipulate you, to coerce exactly. you, right? Or to, to think that beating you up is going to make me feel better. No, it won't. Um, if I'm using it to say, man, I'm really struggling with this. This is really hard, right? Could you support me here? Uh, gosh, I need to ask you for some hugs and, and some reassurance, right? Uh, will you lean in to this with me? Then you're going to get to a place where you're creating new experiences and it's easier to let the past die. Right. Right. It's something we're going to probably wrestle with in our relationship, especially after moments of like infidelity or addiction, those kinds of things we're going to find ourselves facing. What do you mean? Just let the past go. Just let it die. Yeah. Right. Right. (laughs) And that's what we're talking about. You, you are willing to let it go. Meaning the way I'm going to talk about it and bring it up is going to be me taking responsibility for the fact that this is a frustration and a pain inside of me. Right. Yeah. Uh, I can't blame you for the emotional pain that I feel. If I'm the one feeling it, then it belongs to me. It's not your fault or anything you can help me with. Right. So that's an important thing to, to keep in mind. That's, that's, I think that's a really excellent distinction too, around being able to, to feel that and, 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 and let it impact you. And also 
go, it's not, it's different than if it was happening right now or happening still or whatever. Like you can, if you can separate that of like, there is still this accountability on myself also to feel like, Hey, why can't I? And then, it, and then it's that deep dive. Like, why can't I get through this? Or why is that, that stuff there, that stumbling block, because you are doing everything that you need to do. And you're, you know, we've agreed to all of this and, and everything like that. And then again, then it's reevaluating. Okay. What does that, what does that mean in the future? Right. Because is this going to be something that I can never get over? And if that's the case, then that, then I think a reevaluation is needed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and that's okay. If, if the, you have something in your past that you're not willing to let go of or that you don't want to attempt to work with getting over, then that's your answer, isn't it? And, and yeah. if we keep this idea of what, what creates a great relationship, like what is it that creates a great relationship? You know, at the heart of it, it's just one simple sentence. It works for the two and jokingly, I say, or more people in it. It works, sure. right? And it doesn't yeah. matter what its components are. It doesn't matter what the experiences have been, right? A great relationship works for the two people in it. That's it. <laughs> now yeah. it's your smorgasbord to decide what those components will be. And as we're so all unique and different with our varying variety of perspectives, I mean, there's a limitless amount of relationships, right? Are there a few skills that help us? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That we need to learn. Absolutely. If we want to become good lovers, if we want to become good at relationships, which why wouldn't you, if you say you don't want to be in a relationship, it's kind of like being financially independent. Why wouldn't you want that? Right. If you say you don't want that, then you're just angry. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah. There's work that needs to be done. Yeah. 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 And, and it's okay. That's all good too. But we are designed for relationships because I can't see me and understand me and grow me without a you. It's just the way it is. That's why as a human being, you put us in isolation. We go crazy. Literally yep. we lose our minds because I can't see me. I can't understand myself. I can't grow. I can't be challenged. Right. And then why do we want to live anyway? If there's nothing to be expressed or done or explored or right, that's all been taken away from me. What's the point? Yeah. And so we need to remember how critically important at the end of the day relationships are. We need them. We need them. Yeah, yeah I think um, if if we didn't know that before, which I think a majority of us did, I think that the pandemic did teach us that and and taught us. And uh, you know, we're talking a, a lot about romantic relationships, but not just romantic relationships. I mean, the, this feeling of community, the, the familial relationships, the, the people that we don't get to have relationships with anymore because of the people that died during this pandemic. I mean, we really have seen the necessity of other people. Um, I, I've been joking this whole time. I even think I said it to you when we first started that I love working from home. It's it's a beautiful thing for me. It's really enjoyable. And the first day I was in the office. I just felt that energy and was like, oh, this is, this is why we do this in person, or this is why we have these, these places where, where we get together, because it was just different. I still love working from home because of the convenience and, and all, all of those other things, but I also love that relationship piece and, and being around that energy. And like you said, seeing yourself and not just living in your own head all day, <laughs> seeing yourself through someone else's eyes and, and helping them see themselves through your eyes. Like the, those are all things that, that, like you said, make life worth living. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just to, to touch on your bringing our conversation earlier up about vulnerability, when I don't want to be vulnerable, I'm keeping myself safe. Mm. And if I keep myself safe, what do I got? I got safe. I got safe. I, and that's all I got is safe. And the pandemic um, taught us that I can keep myself safe, but it's not 
um, soon thereafter, I'm so, so safe that I lose my reason to live. Right. Uh, right. I, what am I keeping myself safe for? Right. And if I'm going to live, we've got to accept and understand that that's going to require risk, right? <laughs> so I can't keep myself safe and live and express and, and enjoy my life at the same time. So we have yeah. to decide where that pivotal point of balance, which is a doing thing every day, every moment of every day, where am I safe enough to risk? Yeah. And that's important that we do that again. That's, that's an emotional pushup. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we really flew through that hour today. <laughs> that was very um, fun. Uh, I, this was a, an absolute blast, a genuine pleasure. Um, as we're just wrapping up, you really the, the the main question I think I have is just what would you like to promote? Oh, that's so sweet. I, th- I think the greatest place I could send you would be to our radio show, Love Shack Live show. You can just Google it. It pops up on YouTube, Facebook. Uh, anywhere you can find your podcast. So we um, stream it live once a week. If you want to catch us live and ask your questions, we would love that too. We air out of Seattle, Washington with a live show every Thursday at 1 p.m. PST on KKNW. But again, all you need to do is just Google Love Shack Live Show. It'll pop up all the details. I would invite you too to go to my website, stacybartley.com. And the only part you need to get right about that is my name, S-T-A-C-I is how you spell that, stacybartley.com. You can also get get all kinds of wonderful goodies and information about the show, but I would love for you to share a question. Tell us what you're struggling with, where you're at, you know, what topics you would like to have us cover on the radio show. That would be such a huge help for me. I would really appreciate that. And I need to ask you personally to come and do a spread some love moment on our show. In addition to being our guest upcoming here shortly, um, if you or someone, you know, is doing great work in the realm of creating community connection. Um, it doesn't matter if it's just a simple Facebook group or an individual you think is doing great things in your community. We have a few minutes of our, our show each week designed just to spread some love that people get to come on and share their perspective about love and relationships and the experiences in it. So you can also access that on my website as well. So spread the word and get people to shout out about, Hey, this is what I've experienced and know about love yeah. and relationships. And it gives us a practice to do that emotional push-up too. Cause you might just hear some things that you kind of go, ah, that's not right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good yeah. for us. It's really good for us. Yeah. It's like the eating our broccoli. Yeah, absolutely. The resistance is good. That's yeah. Eat your broccoli. About, right. <laughs> Well, Stacy, thank you again so much. Um, like I said, it was an absolute pleasure. I, I had such a great time. I'd love to have you on again because I know we could go so many more places. Um, I'm sure we'll we'll get to that. I'm excited to be uh, to be a guest as well um, on the Love Shack. And uh, yeah, again, it was just it was just an absolute blast. So thank you again. Oh, thank you, and I'll come back anytime you'll have me. Um, awesome, thank you. We'll talk soon. Yeah, we'll see everybody next time on What's Your Bliss. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at YourBlissPod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me or if you'd like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Please check out anythingbutcredible.com to find all the additional awesome content and podcasts, including Offended, Movie Merge, Going Off Topic, and of course, the Anything But Credible podcast. Mm-hmm.